brings new and old faces together for the common goal of striving for academic and athletic excellence. The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 in conjunction with Hawaii Pacific University proudly presents Sharks Weekly, a deep dive into HPU athletics and who are this week's standout performers, which program is making a splash in the classroom, community, and on the field. What are the upcoming schedules? All these questions answered and more coming live from the HPU eSports Arena powered by DSC Hawaii on the Hawaii Pacific University campus at Aloha Tower Marketplace. Here's your host, Hawaii Pacific University's Vice President and Chief Marketing Communications Officer, Jeffrey Rich. Hello and good morning, and welcome on into the HPU Esports Arena powered by DSE Hawaii, located on the HPU ATM campus. I'm Paul Brecht, not Jeffrey Rich. Jeff had to take today off, but still happy to bring some uh, really exciting HPU athletics to you guys. We've got a fun show in store for you today as we have the acrobatics and tumbling team coming on in today. Three representatives for the Sharks, head coach Peyton Smith, and a couple of players in Emma Paulson and Sage Price. A nice whole array of experience both here playing at HPU or competing for HPU and also uh, now coaching at yes. HPU. First things first, I, I do want to say thank you guys for joining us this morning. Uh, Coach Peyton Smith, I, I want to talk to you first. It's your second year. You're from Waco, Texas, and you're an HPU alum, class of 2021, specifically an acro and tumbling alum. What brought you to HPU in, in the first place way back? Uh, I say way back in the day. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no. uh, it, when you first came to HPU. Yeah, definitely. My one thing is I wanted to do marine biology. Uh, and it was either stay in Texas, which I was not very fond of, or go and do a sport that kind of transitioned from gymnastics, which was acro. Uh, so it gave me a good opportunity to still stick with athletics, but then also get to do a major I really wanted to try. I think that's uh, the case with a lot of acro and tumbling yes. uh, athletes. Is that right? Yeah, there, we have a, a few um, athletes that come here definitely for marine biology, but a lot of them want, want to um, have a change of scenery. A lot of them, they either do gymnastics their whole life or cheer their whole life. So it's, it's a really nice way to kind of bring in their best assets and get to kind of learn new things, but then also pick up on old things. So recruiting wise, there's not necessarily, you don't go to high school events of, of acro and tumbling no, per se, quote Yeah, unquote. no, not necessarily. Sometimes they'll do um, like, uh, ooh, what? Well, they'll do like camps or clinics um, or big recruiting camps. So there's many coaches from all over for acro uh, and we'll actually teach those athletes that are wanting to potentially do acro in college so we'll teach them there a little bit about our sport so they kind of have an idea of what it is before they're fully committed with going to an acro school. Gotcha. It, it sounds pretty interesting overall. Gonna give a little bit of a background to to people just who don't 
necessarily keep up with the acro and tumbling team first thing first you guys have seven matches or meets this season yes. you guys have already competed in two correct yes so uh, it's funny to see the the change in school names but maybe not necessarily the talent at each of these mm -hmm. schools you guys open up the season against oregon at oregon in Eugene, uh, what was that kind of like to begin the year and you, know, you guys fall in a, a close meet? How did that end up going? And we'll, we'll get a little bit further in the yeah. show. We'll talk a little bit about scoring as well. Yeah, so going to Oregon was, it was pretty a good experience. Um, definitely a big change of scenery from what we're used to. Um, our gym is a lot, a little bit smaller, not in a huge arena. so getting them for their very first meet, especially for our freshmen, um, into a huge arena like Oregon was definitely nerve-wracking, but I, they had a lot of fun with it, uh, and the meet went really well, and that was the first time the entire team has actually gone to Oregon since I competed on the team. So <laughs> 2019, 2020, I think, was the last time we went as a team to Oregon. So it was a, only one athlete on the team had actually ever competed at Oregon before. So a little nerve-wracking, but they did good. I'm happy to hear that they did well there. And I want to bring the players in now a little bit to talk about your experiences, especially to start things off. We have a junior and a freshman in the house. So some varying experiences. Emma, I'm going to start with you first. You're from North Las Vegas. Uh, you've spent a few years here. You've played under a couple or, or competed under a couple of coaches. Uh, what was it like for you going to Oregon this uh, this season to start things out and how exciting was it how fun was it and uh did you feel any different than maybe the freshmen did um i'm gonna say it was definitely nerve-wracking the last time i went to oregon was for nationals when we went for event finals um so that was my freshman year it was much different compared to event finals it was much more like the team got very close. We were very much all in it for the same thing. We were all very encouraging to each other. Um, it was a very quick trip, so it was also very much um, just kind of we're here to do business. We're here to do our thing, show what we've been working so hard for, and then go and improve after that. And then Sage, uh, what about for you as your first experience as a college athlete, at least in that sense how was that experience for you and I, I guess I should ask that was your first experience as a college athlete um yeah it was um like competing in there it wasn't too bad because I've been in big arenas because I did cheer but it was still like nerve-wracking because this was completely new like I had not like like I knew what was going to happen but it was interesting because it was just like a whole new environment and it was really fun like I had a lot of fun and I know the other freshmen had a lot of fun when we like went and competed in Eugene it was a really great experience I think so we really enjoyed it so coach talked a little bit about the background of players right where you mentioned sage cheer and then Emma you were a gymnast if I'm not mistaken uh, what is that kind of like making the the transition to uh, using those same skills but maybe to a different set of rules or or to a different group what has that been like for you guys especially let's start with you sage where you go from cheer and competitive cheer is something that I, I feel doesn't get enough respect in the the bigger sphere where it, it takes a lot of work a lot of effort and, and a big 
team effort. How similar has that been to your experience so far with Acro and Tumbling? Um, it's actually been very similar. Like, there's a lot of um, team aspects that are the same as cheer. We, we do a lot of things where we work together and um, doing a lot of the stunting was kind of similar. Uh, the only thing that was different was there's the, the gymnastics aspects with like handstands and like more pyramid building in a sense. Like there's building and pyramid building in cheer, but it's a little bit different. So there are some differences compared to cheer and acro but it's kind of the same in a sense. And then Emma, similarly for you, how does it compare for a gymnast moving into this? I feel like there's probably a little bit more crossover in some of the events. And have you found that your transition or did you find your transition to, I don't want to call it easy or be any easier than perhaps your, your teammates with just a specific, more specific cheer background? Yeah, um, I had actually quite a difficult time transitioning, especially from going from a spring floor onto a dead mat. Um, I also kind of had to learn how to hold myself on when I'm on, you know, top of someone when being thrown in the air, which I had never really done before. Um, I did a lot of training on like a vault runway for all my tumbling. Um, and then transitioning that to what we now do for acro. Um, yeah, the hardest part for me was definitely learning how to be a top and how to not only hold my own weight, but also learn how to stay tight enough that I'm not flopping around or falling on top of people. And you bring up the, the top, the mm -hmm. position, I'll, I'll call it the positions uh, that you guys are in in each of these events that's something i do want to get into as this goes on a bit further coach i will ask you what was your background like when you uh joined up with hpu acro and tumbling back uh in 2017 2018 2017. right yeah um my back i come from a gymnastics background um i did cheer for one summer one competition so i had a tiny bit of knowledge of cheer um, but mainly gymnastics and then since um, baylor university is right in waco i did get a lot more experience like visualizing seeing what acro was um, and then i have my coaches my gymnastics coach's daughters both went to Baylor, so they would come in and kind of play around with us and try and teach us some acros too. So I did know coming in a little bit about acro, more than now probably the same amount of people that come in now, but yeah, I knew a little bit more. And then before we go to break, I do want to ask you just as you made that transition over to Cutsdown and at another university for a year, what was that experience like just to, to get your feet wet in the, the college coaching yeah. sphere? Because you did have a little bit of uh, youth level or, or you know, mm -hmm. pre-college pre yeah. level coaching with gymnasts uh, out here. What was it like to get that first experience over in Pennsylvania there at the college level in this sport? Yeah, it was definitely a weird experience like I'd always been coaching um, but coaching athletes who are adults was a lot more of a change um, kind of treating them as an adult but also hey I am in charge a little bit so we we I still have to have the final say but I do want to hear you out and hear what you have to what your issues are and what you think that 
might be better for you. Um, and then coaching at Cutstown was quite a bit different because it was a new program. So all of the athletes coming in, we had no seniors, no juniors, no sophomores to kind of help guide and help teach along the way. So that was very difficult um, trying to start a program from the bottom. I would say it's a lot easier to take over a program, honestly, because I have my seniors and things that I can kind of fall back on and ask them, oh, well, what did you like your freshman year? What what did you need your freshman year? And they, so they kind of help in that sense. And that's something I am going to want to dive into a little bit more, how you guys all work together as a team, how it's been working with a young coach, how it's been being a young coach here at the college level. You're going to want to stick around. Don't go too far. You're listening to uh, Sharks Weekly on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sharks Weekly on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network's 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back inside HPU's ATM campus at the Esports Arena, powered by DSE Hawaii. Paul Brecht bringing you all the action today as we chat with the Acro and Tumbling team. It's been a fun one so far. We're learning all about the sport. I, I always call it a new sport. It's not necessarily super new, I suppose, uh, here at HPU. I believe it's been around since about 2015. And obviously, Coach, you're uh, an alum of the program, but it is a sport that I do say, I will say, is growing uh, and is. continuing to add more and more programs. And what has it kind of been like to see that as, uh, well, one, you were a player and obviously uh, an athlete who competed in it. You watched it. And now both as an assistant coach and taking over as the head coach here at HPU, what has it been like for you to watch this sport grow? Yeah, it's been really exciting um, just as a, before I even got into the knowledge of what I was going to do for college. I think I was a freshman when Baylor started Akron. I was like, what is this? Um, and so we got to see it growing up that way. Um, but then when I joined, there was when I graduated and went to college, there still wasn't a whole lot of teams. I want to say they might have been 20 to 25, if that. Um, and now we've grown to almost 45 um, within that those few years. Um, it's definitely exciting. Um, a lot of newer coaches coming into it. So there's a lot of learning from coaches, a lot of growing in that way. Um, and it's also getting harder. It's harder to recruit now because there's so many different options. A lot of schools on the East Coast. So they're, they they get a whole flock of athletes over there, so sometimes it's a harder to pull from East Coast. So we try and stick a little bit more to the West Coast now, but yeah, it's been a really great experience. And then I, I want to ask you guys because Sage, it, it said in your profile that you did kind of come to HPU knowing about the acrobatics and tumbling program. And Emma, I'll, I'll start with you. When you came here, was that a big pull for you, or did you come here kind of looking to do something else and kind of fell into acrobatics and tumbling? Um, so when I was looking just at colleges in general, I had no idea what acro was. Um, I found out about acro when one of my previous teammates had committed to another school, and I started looking into it a little more, and then I found out HPU had an acro and tumbling program, and I was like, huh. Yeah, I think continuing my athletic career would be fun. So I decided to reach out to our old coach, Coach Haley, and she kind of explained it a little more to me. Um, and then I also originally came here for the marine biology program and then later changed my major. 
But yeah, I would say acro is definitely one of the main pulls for me um, once I kind of learned more about it. Interesting. And, and then Sage, kind of uh, to, to you there, I mentioned it before, you had a, an idea of the program before. That was that was a poll one. That was a poll for you to come to HPU. Yeah. Um, so uh, my teammates, like I wasn't even in high school yet, and uh, my teammates, they were like looking at acro and tumbling, and my coach knew a lot about acro and tumbling, so she like kind of explained it to me and like all that kind of stuff, and and this was like back when I was in gymnastics, so I like wasn't I was in cheer, but it was mainly gymnastics at that time, and I came out. Here here for a gymnastics competition back in like 2019 and um they were like I went to one of the acro and tumbling practices like for this team like and I wasn't even in high school so I was like I don't know what I'm doing you know <laughs> and it was mainly for my older teammates but I was still able to go along and I kind of just was like wow like I can totally see myself being here and doing this and so that's basically what ended up being my goal was I wanted to go here and do acro and tumbling here and stuff like that so it sounds like a fun journey either way and Coach, I, I'm going to ask you to, to do it because uh, I think everybody is wondering, and, and both players, you mentioned how you had people kind of explain the sport to you before joining up. So, Coach, I, I mentioned you guys have, have competed already twice. Mm -hmm. You faced off against Oregon. You just had the meet this past weekend against Azusa Pacific. How are events scored? How do events work? How many... How many things do you do during it? Just kind of tell yeah, the people how how everything goes on a, a normal meet day for your program. Yeah, so there's it's quite a bit. Um, we started with compulsories, um, and in compulsories, there's four heats that we do. So each event is its own event, but then there's heats after it. Um, so we do our compulsory event, and the compulsory event. Um, each team does the exact same skills so they'll go so the away team will go out and will do those skills and then the judges will tally up their scores and then we'll go out do the exact same acro heat and um, then then they'll score us and we'll go out um, the scoring system they kind of take it from gymnastics so we start from a 10-0 just like gymnastics does and then they deduct after that so they watch for our bases if they move their feet they watch and see if our tops are moving around they bent arms bent knees they look for all of those and tally them up at the end uh, and then we have our acro heat pyramid heat tossy tumbling heat and team event so there's a lot of things that go into it in acro so for those acro pyramid and toss we do three sub categories for that uh, we'll do for acro we have a five element so only five skills go out on the floor with four athletes so each thing we do is a skill um and then it gets all confusing from there. <laughs> but we do five, and then there'll always be a sink element um, in that second category, and then there's an open category. So the five will have three different things that we have to do. So for pyramid, the first pyramid has to be inverted. So our top has to go from her go her feet have to go over her head for that first pyramid. The second pyramid has to be sink, and then our last pyramid could be whatever pyramid we want to do so there is some uniformity yes. to every event but you do still get that creativeness yeah. that kind of it, it, 
I mean, I would say defines the sport. In, yeah, there's in a, a lot of creativity. Um, we have um, what it's called. It's an SV file. So it's where all of our start values are for every skill, every pyramid, every toss and every tumbling pass and all of the acros there. It can be from the ground to climbing up to your shoulders. That's a skill. And then the top doing a handstand. That's a skill. The top coming down that's a skill so there's a whole slew of skills that we can pick and choose and play around with and as long as it makes sense in your brain where obviously you can't start on someone's shoulders you have to start from the ground so it has to kind of make sense that way but there's a lot of playing around with it a lot of score um, scoring elements that go into it so you can start from those 10 um, passes and then obviously there are different jobs different things that you have to do and we actually have a, a little bit uh, of variance here right because emma you're a, a top and a tumbler and then sage you're a base and a tumbler if i'm not mistaken so uh, what's the what's the difference there i suppose for for somebody who might be very much so out of uh out of the loop what what necessarily uh, constitutes being a top? We'll, we'll start with Emma. Um, I would say just being in the air. Um, you are the one that does the handstands on top of your bases. You're the one that is being thrown up and caught. You're the one um, doing the tosses. You're the one doing the flips um, on top of the tosses. The one doing flips off of people. Um, you're also the one that is at the very top of the pyramid. You're the one who gets lifted up or is being doing straddles on top. You're just kind of doing a little bit of everything. You're just always on top of someone else in a way. So exactly what the position yeah. says. <laughs> yeah. Very, very uh, nice. Is that nerve-wracking at all? I, I mean, this coming from a guy who is terrified of falling from heights. Uh, is is it scary at all to be up there? Especially, you were a gymnast first, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know if you, did you have a cheer background perhaps where you, you were able to fall back on that? Or was that part of, you mentioned the, the difficult process of adjusting to the sport? Mm -hmm. So I had no cheer background whatsoever. I did gymnastics my entire life. Um, I think when it came to learning how to fall um, off of someone, that was really difficult for me. Um, I did very much rely on my gymnastics background of learning how to fall off of bars or learning how to fall off the beam. Um, it definitely was extremely nerve-wracking. It still is to this day. Um, I have kind of gotten over the nerves a little bit. I've very much relied on muscle memory and just kind of trusting my bases, trusting those around me, knowing that if I do fall, I know someone's gonna be there to catch me. It's not just, I'm on my own. So yeah, it's very much a respecting and kind of knowing that your teammates are gonna be there for you. It, it, you need that trust. Yes. It's very, very important. Mm -hmm. And then Sage, obviously you're a base and how does that change things a little bit what are some of the difficulties of being a base uh, as emma just said i mean sometimes you have people who are who are falling is it difficult at all to kind of deal with that is it a mental aspect of it at all um it's definitely a little bit nerve-wracking because you don't want your top to fall you don't want them to get injured so your main priority is making sure your top doesn't hit the floor that's like the biggest thing about being a base is 
like catching your chop like you never want your chop to hit the floor um and the bass also like does a lot of lifting and all that kind of stuff and i think the hardest part at least with acro that i've noticed with basing is like um not moving like there's a lot of technique more so in the basing like there's steps and like you can only take a certain amount of steps or like no steps at all and like certain like grips are different too compared to cheer so uh, it's like basing i guess would say um sorry i'm confused sorry you're okay um yeah i would say that basing is uh relatively just like making sure that the top doesn't hit the floor lifting them um and then just like working together with other bases as well too to do those skills and stuff like that it, it sounds a little bit and cor obviously correct me if i'm wrong it sounds a little bit like the less glamorous of the two jobs but still very very important almost yeah. arguably more important at times where you you need to be so fundamentally mm -hmm. sound uh, just to make sure that everything runs is is that a, a fair assumption to take yeah um i mean tops can't really do handstands unless there is a base for them to do stuff on or tops um can't really do a lot of like top stuff because there's no bases so you necessarily do need the bases the bases are important and i think it's a really important job to have even though it's not as That's glamorous the, as the top. you definitely get the most bruises yeah, <laughs> yeah. all over them <laughs> is there any crossover between uh tops and bases do you have uh yeah. some athletes who do a bit of both yeah we uh, quite a few of our athletes do um a little bit of both we also for our pyramids especially we have a mid layer so a lot so we have a lot of tops that actually mid and also can top um but yeah, we have quite a few of them that can transition in between, but it depends on what they best at. If they're really good at a handstand, they'll top that handstand. If they're not great at holding a straddle, they might be that mid layer for that straddle. So yeah, we do have a lot of crossover. Sounds like roster construction is pretty interesting. I want to talk a little <laughs> bit more about that when we come back. I want to remind you, you're listening to Sharks Weekly here on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Don't go too far having a fun conversation with the Acro and Tumbling team. We will be right back. You're listening to Sharks Weekly on the Hawaii Sports Radio Networks, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back inside HPU's ATM Campus Esports Arena, powered by DSE Hawaii. Paul Brecht joined by the Acro and Tumbling team. Join us live every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Hawaii time on 95.1 FM, AM 760, and streaming on HawaiiSportsRadio.com or catch the replay on demand on your own time wherever you get most podcasts. You can also see the recording of all of our episodes live on site here at HPU's Esports Arena, powered by DSE Hawaii on Hawaii Sports Radio Network's YouTube channel. Check out any of the previously recorded Sharks Weekly episodes there, along with any of your favorite HPU programs. Uh, one of our favorites with us here today, Acro and Tumbling, already through two of their meets so far this season. Mentioned it. They went up to Eugene, Oregon back on February 10th, fell against the Ducks in a close one, and then competed this past weekend against Azusa Pacific at home. And then now you guys uh, you guys won't be home again until March. You guys have a East Coast trip coming yes. on up, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that schedule. We were talking before about the the positions or the yeah. the the 
designations that each player gets. And uh, I mentioned wanting to talk about roster construction. And first, I want to ask what a regular, I'll say regular, at those top-level programs, the ones that get the most funding to, mm -hmm. to be, you know, as good as possible, what do those rosters look like? How does it compare to your roster? And um, from there, uh, what's it like having uh, to build a roster as a, an acro and tumbling coach in a, like you mentioned before, a growing sport? Yeah, so uh, at a, like at Oregon, Baylor, Quinnipiac, um, those bigger schools, they can have, a, they probably have. 35 to 40 athletes if not more um and a lot of times they'll have a whole a squad a whole b squad um which is a whole squad for a competition is 24 athletes so they might have two full sets of 24 athletes uh which is insane to think about um and then those kind of middle lovers lever level schools will have anywhere from about 25 to 30 athletes um have a few extra but not too many um not too many extra bodies to go around. So keep around there. And then for newer programs, it can definitely be anywhere from maybe 15 up to about 20 for their first year. Um, for a first year program, if they're just starting out, um, they're allowed to compete with only 15 athletes. Um, but after that first year, they have the minimum is 18 athletes. So they start out with 15 and even some rosters their first year they might compete with only 10 athletes and do only half the skills and just get their feet wet a little bit so then they have those sophomores for next year so what's what is your roster like then because uh, you mentioned with newer programs you you have to build up from the bottom mm -hmm. like you saw over at Kutztown yes. where you don't have seniors to to fall back on where as here you do have some upperclassmen obviously we're joined by one in Emma and uh, in her junior year and yes. what's a, what's your roster look like uh, are you looking to add on more each year for any recruits listening yeah. uh, what would they want to or what should they know about your program your roster yeah we're definitely looking to grow a little little bit I have quite a bit of seniors this year so I'm losing losing about 11 athletes so losing almost half of the team so a um, lot of recruiting this year a lot of athletes coming in uh, for this next year um, but yeah what I, I'm looking for everything I'm losing I'm losing tops tumblers bases mids a whole slew of quite literally every position um, is needed for this next year. So we're really going to have to rely on the experience um, that our seniors have left us, um, the wisdom they've given them, and then really build up that program for that for our next year. It's going to be a lot of, lot more smaller basic movements that we have to get through for that next season. Gotcha. I do want to ask our players here a little bit about the culture of the team, obviously, because in this sport especially, it seems like chemistry would be extremely important in a, a, a lot of events. And to develop that chemistry, it goes from uh, probably a lot further than just when you're out on the mats or out on wherever you do end up getting a chance to compete. What are some things that you guys like to do together away from the sport to kind of bond do you guys like to hang out away from the sport and uh if so what are some of those things that you guys do 
Um, I know at the beginning of the year, a lot of the upperclassmen will try and host a dinner for the freshmen to kind of welcome them in, let them know, like, hey, if you need anything, we're here. Um, always feel free to reach out. Um, I know a lot of us will end up at the beach. We do like to go to the beach and hang out there. Um, we do a lot of team bonding at the beach, too. Um, or even just like going and taking our photos at the beach for roster pictures or just to have pictures to post of us in jerseys and that's always really nice. Um, I know a lot of the team lives with each other as well. Um, I personally live with another junior and so that's always really nice. That's another way we've bonded outside of practice. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of just hey, do you want to go hang out? Like, let's go do something. Let's go see things or even just let's just go for a drive. Stuff like that. Sounds like a nice way to, to get acclimated. And, and Sage, obviously, you're someone who needed to get acclimated. It's your first year in college. How has that transition been for you? How have you been helped by upperclassmen and by any of the coaching staff? How's the transition from high school to this upper next level been? Um, it's definitely been a lot easier having a team like with you to like help you get used to it. Um, it was hard my first semester. I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't like I'm so far away from family. I wasn't that far, but it <laughs> felt really far, you know, and um, and just having that team and having that kind of like family like atmosphere with like at least the freshmen we have like we go eat dinner together after practices or like we go to the beach together and like just doing fun activities with the team in general like on Halloween I know we went on a hike and it was really nice and like we do like fun stuff for like around the holidays and like dress up for like holiday um, days and it's just like it's really nice like to have that kind of aspect and it definitely helps um, get the team closer I think too so it was very nice to have that. Coach, you ever join in on any of these beach days or, or the food outings? Or? I, I coordinate one or two, but I, I do kind of push that onto my, my seniors and my juniors. I think it it's almost better and a little bit more, you know, from the heart if my upperclassmen do it. So I try and be like, hey, maybe you guys should go to the beach together. And then <laughs> I'll have a senior be like, hey, we're going to have a beach day. And I'm like, perfect. Like, <laughs> I've only coordinated a few. I'm not, I don't want to make them mandatory for them. Like, it's, that's not fun when you have to do it. So <laughs> try and make it a little bit more fun and uplifting for them. But yeah, I went on one beach day. Then I, my Halloween hike, I didn't get to go to, but... <laughs> My car broke down that day. Oh, brutal. <laughs> what, so uh, you guys both mentioned the beach. What's, uh, what's the favorite beach of the Acro and Tumbling team? Is there, is there a favorite a beach? a mixed review for them. I don't, I don't know. Do, is there a mixed review at this table alone? Do you both like uh, a certain one uh, that, that maybe? Um, as a team, I would say we end up at Ala Moana or Makapu'u a lot. Um, personally, I like to go out to Westside a lot more. Um, granted, that is a whole day beach day, <laughs> but I, I do like the Westside beaches a little more, but it's always fun to end up at Makapu'u as well. Understandable. And then I always hate to, to rag on the freshmen, but it is a little bit more difficult to get around when you are not necessarily an upperclassman. What's your go-to beach? Uh, um, probably... Probably like Ala Moana or Waikiki. It's just closer and easier. And 
we it's easier to moped too because we don't exactly have cars um we can bus places but that kind of takes a long time so for easy like you know like hey you just want to go to the beach for like before our class or like after class we go to like ala moana and just hang out there and stuff like that so Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing some of the, the secrets uh, of what it takes to get close together as a team. We will close things out with a, a little further conversation about the upcoming schedule for you guys, a little extra conversation coming on up to close things out. You're listening to Sharks Weekly on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM, AM 760, and streaming on hawaiisportsradio.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sharks Weekly on the Hawaii Sports Radio Networks, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back. Recording at HPU's Aloha Tower Marketplace Campus inside the beautiful eSports arena powered by DSE Hawaii. Paul Brecht filling in for Jeffrey Rich today chatting with the super fun acro and tumbling team. We've learned quite a bit today. Gonna wanna talk to these beautiful new fans about how to find you guys, how to keep up with your season. You guys, I said it before, have about seven meets in a season. This season you have seven meets, have already competed in two. Your next trip is this East Coast trip where it's a bit more of a condensed schedule after after a bit of a Mm -hmm. couple of weeks breaks. And then I believe it's three matches or three meets in nine days or so yeah. over on the East Coast. Take us through what the preparation for that is like, and maybe we'll talk to the players a little bit about the excitement of how those type of trips can be used as bonding time as well. Uh, but take us first through the preparation for a trip that's, what, 4,500-ish miles away? Yeah, so a lot of prep work goes into it. Um, we're taking these next week and a half, two weeks to kind of find places we can upgrade um, some of our skills potentially or even just cleaning up some of the skills we've already competed. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of figuring out where we're going to eat, looking up before if we need to make meal like orders beforehand, um, renting cars, driving places, making sure we know where we're going. Um, There's a lot of prep work in that, reaching out to all of the schools we're competing against to make sure we get a practice time in there so the athletes can kind of see where they're practicing beforehand so it's not so much of a shock um, that meet day. But lots, lots of preparation. And what's the excitement like for you guys? Is there excitement for a trip like that? You're both West Coast gals, so it's not necessarily like you're you're heading home for uh, for you. But is there some excitement to go? You guys are competing a couple of meets in West Virginia before heading to Maryland and then heading on back. Is there some excitement for this trip, or is it kind of a difficult stretch to go that far and compete in, in a condensed schedule where you normally get about a week between meets? Um, I would definitely say I'm excited personally. Um, I've never competed on the East Coast, so this will be my first time. Um, It's also, I know it's going to be a lot. We're going to be gone for 10 days. It's going to be, we're there for business. It's go, go, go the entire time. Um, But I'm definitely very excited to just see all the other teams and see how they compete as well. I agree. I'm also very excited for this trip. Uh, Just being able to be with like my teammates and like I feel like it's definitely going to be a lot more bonding because there's going to be a lot of time that 
on a plane, you know, and so stuff like that. And I think I'm just also excited because I've never been to the East Coast really. Uh, so it's going to be a new experience for me. And I, I'm just really excited for that. It sounds like it's going to be a fun time in general. And those type of trips, I, I know as a former athlete myself, I know that road trips were always a, a great time for me and my team to bond together. So I'm excited for that as well. Before you guys do come home to end out the regular season, I'll, I'll call it the regular season mm-hmm. because it maybe take us through what is postseason play like is there a postseason right now in this growing field or is it just these seven meets and then the the end of the year yeah so we have our last meet um and for the schools that kind of have their conferences uh, which is mainly on the east coast for those schools that have all the acro in their conference uh, they'll do a postseason conference meet uh championship um d Division three also last year hosted their first ever um, postseason championship, um, and then we also have just a championship for all of all levels D one, D two, and D three. So those rankings um, will come out after I think it's like the third second week of April, um, and the, the top eight te- eight teams get to go and compete at that nationals. And that obviously is always a goal. Is that yes. something that is attainable? One, is that something that is attainable after falling just once? I know with shortened seasons, you'll see in college football, a lot of times one loss kind of takes yeah. you out of, of that national running. But there are less teams here. You know, is there a little bit more wiggle room to there, get into that national? Yeah, tournament? there definitely is a little bit more wiggle room. They take into account your win loss rate. They take into account the schools you're competing against. Did you go up against you know, the schools that are top ranked or did you go up against all first year teams and then win because you went up to a school that had 10 people? Um, so they take into that and then they take into your the factor of your scores, your overall scores for each event. Because um, since we are still as a growing sport, we have judges that kind of go all over. So sometimes you might compete really well and get really good scores and sometimes you could compete even better and the scores might be a little bit lower. It just depends on what that judge specifically you know, might be their little their nitpick that they like to choose it is always tough with the the human aspect (laughs) of things isn't it um for you guys as you continue to compete this season uh what what does a home meet kind of look like how long does a meet take can fans come take it in and and watch and if so where would they do that say for uh, a march 15th meet against mary harden baylor or something along those lines yeah we uh we compete in the shark tank at um I don't remember the school. The old St. Francis. Francis. There we go. The old St. Francis um, school up there. So we compete there. Um, we, our tickets are, the tickets to get on there is on the Sharks website, the HPU Sharks website. And then we also post on Instagram um, when our upcoming meets are, how many days away. Uh, and then we also have video links as well on that website. Perfect. Need to start growing the fan base of acro and tumbling as you guys continue (laughs) to grow and get further on. For my my players here who were so gracious with their time, you guys already practiced today. A little background for for people. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, What's one thing you guys are looking forward to the rest of the season? I think I'm really just looking forward to competing in general just 
being with the team, um, growing closer as a team, and just seeing everyone improve in their own personal skills. Um, like Coach was saying, we were working on upgrades and seeing everyone pull out tumbling passes that just out of nowhere, and it was so cool to see um, new new duo and trio and quad and everyone just kind of being able to upgrade personally but also upgrade together so that was really fun to see um that's always really exciting to see throughout the season because you don't always have the time to work on those upgrades and when you do and you see them it's so exciting um i definitely agree with emma on that it was definitely super exciting just to continue the season and watch people just like improve and like the team in general just improve and like as a whole together and it's really like like inspiring to see in a sense like seeing others like improve makes you want to improve and makes you want to do better like all that kind of stuff and i think that definitely going into the rest of the season like it makes us like as a, t a team feel good going into the rest of the season so well, I know that we are super excited here at Hawaii Sports Radio Network to continue to see you guys grow, continue to see your guys' season go on. As uh, as we mentioned a few times, you guys can catch out these Sharks on March 15th and March 24th back at home. Thanks so much for joining us Thank today. Thanks for having us. Paul Brecht, for everyone here, Acro and Tumbling, this has been Sharks Weekly. Thanks for listening. Aloha. You've been listening to the Hawaii Sports Radio Network's special presentation of Sharks Weekly in conjunction with Hawaii Pacific University on 95.1 FM and AM 760. A special mahalo to Hawaii Pacific University Executive Director of Athletics, Dr. Debbie Snell, Hawaii Pacific University's VP of Marketing and Communications, Jeffrey Rich, on-site technical engineer, Paul Brecht, and Operations Director, Kuule Agbayani. We now return you to regular scheduled programming on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760.